Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. My name, Dr. Michael David Clay. The difference between pride and God's glory <laughs> should be obvious. Uh, God's glory should be high, <laughs> lifted up, exalted. Uh, pride will do nothing but take one down, or so the word would say. However, there probably is some commonality between pride and God's glory in the sense that, as we would in human regard, attempt to measure such, we'd look at outcomes, uh, images, uh, pictures, uh, what it looks like, uh, superficial on the surface, and can say, maybe say, of either, at least in any moment, given moment, uh, how awesome, <laughs> how beautiful, how great, how fantastic. <laughs> anyone, anyone who has uh, any experience with social media <laughs> knows in today's culture, the present world we live in, how easy it is at any given moment to manipulate that image, to make something appear to be something that it really isn't. Uh, <laughs> he used to call it lipstick on the pig. Uh, I don't think they say that much anymore. But you could dress almost anything up. You could, with the right opportunities, the tools, the resources, uh, capabilities. I think we call it marketing. <laughs> you can create any sort of campaign, uh, intentioned effort, as with a campaign, to present something almost to the extent that you could make it create it out of nothing. Now, aside from the fact that God is truly, genuinely the only source for any creativity, anything that is not only substantial, real, valid, but new, I would, however, like to at least acknowledge, minimally so, that's pretty impressive. If you take a camera, which again captures the image and the picture, you orchestrate, you set up the narrative, you establish the backdrop, you decide how best to communicate the subject, translate the subject, promulgate the subject. Uh, humans are easily fooled. <laughs> that is impressive because it does require some effort, but it loses all of that 
the moment we realize it's a bunch of, also an old saying, smoke and mirrors. Even the devil, the word would say, presents himself as an angel of light. And so too, all those that would be his disciples, those that would follow after that deception, misrepresentation, intentional, campaigned, promulgated, a word King James specifically would also describe as an air of seduction. <laughs> you can sell almost anyone anything, including the Brooklyn Bridge, which is, again, another one of those old sayings. Swampland in Florida. That doesn't mean anything anymore. True, I'm dating myself. Uh, the world has changed much <laughs> since those phrases came into origin. But I think it's become easier, maybe because, again, via social media, more traditional forms as well as current uh, broadcast medium. That was social media. We didn't call it that in the day when television was invented, when uh, there were approximately one, then two, maybe three, and then we thought it amazing, four stations, uh, national. Then you got local stations. Uh, it's impressive. That was all social media. Supposing before there was any of that technology, though, there were always someone, there would always be someone, always someones out there selling something. And there certainly isn't anything wrong with influence. Or, as we once again call it in today's vernacular, verbiage, influencers. But if there's no substance, if it's not valid, if it's not true, it seems you could make it true. And if you got enough people, could get enough people to believe in it, validate it, establish it, even so empirically establish it. Humans are terrible <laughs> when it comes to trickery. We only have five senses, maybe six. But even so, that's quite limited if there's multiple dimensions <laughs> to existence. And we know there are at least two. There's all those things those five senses speak to in physical regard. 3D. But as I said, possibly six, a moment ago, we do know there's a spiritual dimension. But even then, there can be a false, fake, contrived, spiritual existence. It is spirituality, but it's not attached to the true spiritual dimension, that therein of God, the Holy Spirit. It's more materialistically based, and probably the very thing we're talking about on the podcast today. We can create even so demons. 
I don't, I don't know that we of ourselves, uh, the word would say it would come from the devil, uh, the father of not only demons, <laughs> but all lies, but he too has created a material body, a manifestation of that, which by the way does go along with appearing as an angel of light. Humans can be, again, high and lifted up in an exalted sort of way, but not really the sort of way that we are high and lifted up as with founded, established, rooted in the Word of God, which is even itself a manifestation in material terms for the sake of our human ability to even hear it, contemplate it, consider it, choose, make a choice to abide in it. God had to give it to us in some way that we could put our hands upon it, wrap our head around it, experience it. But we know God is beyond any human comprehension and measure of experience. But until you get to that true word, until you understand the legitimate source of all, not only creativity, in that best interpretation, translation of all reality, taking all of the facts, albeit restricted, limited in our human capacity, that we have available to us, adding to it then that awareness or the dimension of the genuine, real, spiritual realm of God, you could create, so to speak, a bubble. That's another one of those common terms we use, phraseology. And as long as reality can be kept at bay, as long as we can control the input, manipulate the data, the facts, govern the presentation, write the narrative, set up and stage the context, find those who are no, no more spiritual than a piece of furniture might be, or should I say, dare I say, a rock, you could get them to speak. You can even begin to create some sort of sense of truth to it. But in the end, when reality does shine forth, when the spiritual in its authentic, genuine manifests, is manifested unto us, those things are just going to go away. Going to stand a chance. The Tower of Babel. They built one, so much so that God, not worried, word would sound cautioned, decided he had to do something about it. Cautionary. Probably not because he wasn't going to defeat that that they could somehow build a tower to heaven if they all agreed upon it, were in one accord. But that when reality did come in as a flood, when 
the reality that we can't control all those things, when the bubble bursts, could any of us possibly tolerate that? Could we endure it in the flesh? Would it be too much for our human soul, human dimension, to comprehend? And, of course, the answer is yes. Again, in our weakness, our material vulnerabilities, our limited apparatus, our limited ability to conceive, conceptualize, can't measure it, can't think it up, sufficient to understanding reality in that vastness of all that that exists outside the bubble. We would be destroyed. I think we need to be cautionary today. I do believe that God is not, I know the word would say, the author of confusion, but in that same sort of a way, there must be a division between those that are living in reality, God truth, God paradigm, God word, and Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit operations, the living word, and then everything else that's the counterfeit. The division will become so pronounced that to try to find one's bearings within any sort of material context, North Stars, <laughs> GPS systems, um, human intellect and knowledge won't work. The only way that you will know the true way is out of living word. What distinguishes the word then from even living word or even the word from the even higher and lifted up living word is just what we're talking about, our humanism. I could take the word of God and you too and try to apply it in humanistic terms. I could look at that and say, well, this is the image. This is what God wants me to be. And I would want to even say that could be with the best of motives. I could shape it. I could write storylines. I could identify goals, form objectives or ways to attain or reach those goals. I could periodically step back and look at it and say, oh, well, this needs that and that needs this and it's a little off here, it needs a little more there. And I could probably come up with something <laughs> that looks pretty decent. And I could probably say, this is it. And I could probably parade it in front of multitudes with the right, again, apparatus, uh, not necessarily human. I guess it is an extension of that. Now I'm talking about the technology, the social media, newspapers, radio, television, now internet, YouTube, and 
Facebook and, and all of those. <laughs> it almost is endless. And if I put all of that together, had the ability to rally all of that under one theme, one message, or could promote that in such a way, the messaging, promulgate that, I could seduce the masses. They could all join in. They could all line up. Just enough truth to get a buy-in. Just enough reality to give some legitimacy. Maybe it would require some miracles. I know the Antichrist, as he comes, as is foretold in the book of Revelation, will be able to form, to perform miracles. Uh, but that's not new. <laughs> in the Old Testament, even Pharaoh's so-called people, those that were the false prophets of the day, the magicians, the soothsayers, could up to a certain point, counterpoint, Moses, as he performed so many signs, evidences, of the power of God before Pharaoh in an attempt to change Pharaoh's, I don't think it was ever about his heart. Pharaoh's heart had been so hardened by that point, he, would, he was, <laughs> as they say, he had grieved the Holy Spirit. He had blasphemed the Holy Ghost. There was none of that left in him, and possibly so even Egypt at the time. But that's not what that was about then. That was about tricking Pharaoh. Not that God needed trickery, but that God had to present it in a fashion that Pharaoh alone, because of where he was, because of his hardness of his heart, hardening, hardening of his heart, that was all he was going to listen to. <laughs> and we saw how long that lasted, only long enough. Well, they not only escaped Egypt, but they spoiled the Egyptians. Pharaoh gave them wealth to get out of town. But he soon decided, ah, oh, he tricked me. And he came with his soldiers after them. And that's when the true power of God demonstrated itself by having them swallowed up by the Red Sea. Even that, however, as miraculous as it seems, was done only for the benefit and purpose of establishing not the power of God only in material regard, although certainly he has that power. He demonstrated that. Not only for the sake of influencing the people's current during that time period, but even so as I'm speaking to you today on the podcast us today. Pretty impressive. <laughs> and all without 
the benefit of cameras. <laughs> All this computer imaging, imaging, imagery, imaging, graphics. All without the benefit of YouTube, Facebook. But they were eyewitnesses of a miraculous power. But the power wasn't in just the parting of the Red Sea. <laughs> the power was in that heavenly dimension where the true glory of God resides. Everything else is vanity. Not that God can't take credit for that or that we can't, in a material regard, glorify God. But if we put the glorification of the material ahead of the true empowerment that the Holy Spirit brings to us, the Word of God as now with living word dimension, the actual, authentic, genuine process of creativity, the creative dynamic that God is to not only make it look like something, maybe even give it some appearance of life, some demonic sort of spirit, where in human spiritual dimensions, we kind of begin to dabble but if it's not rooted, again, founded, not only in word, what it's supposed to look like, but in living word, as that word is then only through the power of God and the Holy Spirit brought to life, it's not going to endure. Worse yet, when our humanism comes face to face with God and his divinity, we're no better than Pharaoh. the flood, <laughs> and not only the Red Sea flood, but the flood, Noah, the flood, eating, drinking, marrying, discounting the cautionary word of God, on the verge of denying the one true power source for all life, <laughs> they wouldn't listen. God is not the author of chaos, nor is he intentioned to divide. But because of our resistance, because of our humanism, because of our desire to glorify the creature, not the creation, humans are constantly at odds with themselves. The curse is us. We bring the curse upon ourselves. And God doesn't say, I'm going to curse you. I'm going to confuse you. I'm going to divide you for the sake of purpose or purpose, sake and or purpose of destroying you. We do it to ourselves. It's not without warning. That's the cautionary note. God always sends a prophet. He always sends his word in advance. He reminds you, yes, 
the law brings forth an awareness of the curse. But what is the curse? It's our weakness, our vulnerability, our humanism, our inclination to glorify ourselves, which is not the glory of God. It's pride. It's vanity. But if he tells you in advance, if he's patient and long-suffering, if he's constantly working from within you to the day of the hardening of your heart, the blaspheming of the Holy Ghost, the searing of your conscience, that's on you. That's not God. You get mad at God if you want. You can get mad at his prophets. You can crucify them in advance. Maybe at first it's just calling them fools. Maybe as you begin to realize they're not going to go away because the word's not going to be taken away. Maybe you do what Pharaoh does or did. You just add to the taskmasters. Add to the people more burdens. You try to destroy them from the inside out. But if they're established in God and his word, and it becomes then as with mixed with the Holy Spirit, sanctified, as in that is blessed, as in that is mixed with the power of life, the creative dynamic, the word of God become living word in Jesus Christ, our willingness to die to such vanities, to our humanism, crucify the humanism, the pride, the ego, then we see the glory of God. And it's not going to go away. Why? Because God said it won't. Now, yes, in the book of Revelation, there will come a point in a time when it is almost completely, totally grieved removed. We're living in darkness. The, the fooling of not only the people, but the peoples and the nations, the Antichrist, the abomination of desolation assumes the throne of God because there has to be at least some element of truth for him to manipulate and seduce. But that's as far as it goes. He performs all these miracles as if to convince us that he has similar power. But it won't be until Jesus comes a second time, returns, and we will see the full effect. Not again that God would curse, but that our denial, our living in a bubble, our false spirituality, our fakery, our manipulation. And even so, most in some degree of innocence, I suppose, ignorance will be fooled. But there are going to be those who know full well what they're doing. And even as Esau chose, to give up his birthright for a moment of pleasure. For a moment of pleasure, they will carry the blood of not the saints alone, but the entirety of humanity upon 
their shoulders, their head. Now, what will the punishment be? (laughs) I don't know. I'd like it to be worse than the ignorant, but the ignorant aren't going to be any better off. (laughs) They're still going to hell. Why? Two reasons. Two manifestations. Maybe they're reasons. One reason is, one manifestation is, that's what they've created on earth. Out of their own denial of the word of God, out of their own pride and arrogance, out of their refusal to read the word, to know what it looks like even, to know the law so that we can compare ourselves to what we are to be in Jesus Christ, they've chosen to give up. Maybe shortcut it. Maybe try to, again, put on an image of such in hopes that somehow not only will no one else recognize, but maybe God will not recognize the stench, the filth, the dirt, the death that is within them. They are not attached to life. But knowing that, those that lead others unto hell, into hell, first cause, first reason, are going to find the same then in eternal context, eternal damnation, eternal death. Why? Because even as we've been saying in the podcast, it's not that they haven't been warned. It's not that they haven't been sent the very Son of God to tell them otherwise. But what did they do with him? (laughs) They killed him. They crucified him. What are they doing with those that would be of that body, the body of Christ, even today? In material terms, they're doing the same. There will come a time of great division. There will come a time of great confusion. But not for the saints. Why? Because we've not moved off of the mark. What is the mark? The mark of the high calling. Not in our heads, but in our hearts. The Word of God only translates what is living Word inside of us. Why? Because we all on occasions need to be reminded. That's how weak we are. That's how weak our flesh is, how easy it is for us to fall prey to the social media. We're going to be noble. We're going to be mighty. We're going to be social justice warriors. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Everybody's going to have this. Everybody's going to have that. We're going to eliminate disease. We're going to eliminate hunger. We're going to eliminate death. No, they're not. Because we're creatures of mortality. I don't know that that's the the condemnation, however, not in a material regard. The greatest condemnation or greater condemnation is that we don't know where our life is. If we attach ourselves to the material and everything in the material of the material for the sake of creativity has to be transfigured or transformed or changed in some manner, then what appears to be death, we've all got to go through, but it only has appearance. In the same way that those that choose to reject the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, as well as word of God in total, 
and would then not heed the warnings are those that otherwise, by virtue of not wanting to come to that reality, that truth, admission, confession of that weakness, are going to then have their bubble burst. In the end, that sets them up to be deceived. Once you sell out, you're sold out. Once your heart becomes totally hardened, you can't go back. Now, again, with advantage, fortune, what does it take? It takes a lot. God would want that none should perish. But there will be those that perish. There will be those that not only die materially for the sake of the material dimension of creativity, and really, in some ways, that's eternal life in a material regard, just not for the human being. Humanism will die with the human being, but that's not what we are. The Word of God, Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ says that we are spirit first. And the interesting point to all of this is it's in all of us to be as Christ because the Holy Spirit resides in all of us. We just have a choice whether we're going to believe it, believe him, believe the gospel, believe the word, and endure what we must in a material regard for the sake of life. Not try to run from it. Not try to hide ourselves from it. Not try to negate it, undermine it. Not try to circumvent it. Not try to lift our humanity above it. Not try to pretend God away. Not try to deny that reality, not only in terms of the material, but as with God forgiving not only his word, but us who have all gone astray. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to show us the way. But what is the message of Jesus Christ? Yes, it is in the miracles he performed, as evidence even so Moses before him did, to show that the power is there, but that's not what it's about. Yes, it was awesome that he raised the dead and the blind were able to see, but that's not what it's about. What it's about is he can raise the dead soul and resurrect it to eternal life in spirit. Not this kind of fake spirit, as I called it earlier, the human dimension of spirituality in any of the human sort of conceptions of what it looks like to be Jesus, pretending to be, trying to be, even under the best of motives. And again, we're almost at a point where many don't even try anymore. They just basically say, that's a bunch of craziness. Why would I do any of that? I'm just going to take care of me. If I need to lie to somebody to get them to do what I want them to do for the sake of glorifying me or edifying me, it's not God's glory. It's human pride, vanity. They're going to do it. They're going to lead you off the cliff. Lemons, lemmings, lemmings, not lemons, lemmings. You're going off the cliff. Maybe with the lemon analogy, it's going to be pretty sour. Wormwood. 
bitter, 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 bitter. Jesus came to save. He came to redeem. He didn't come just to heal materially, although that's okay. We can celebrate that. Nothing like the fact that God, even me, <laughs> he can heal up my cut. He can heal my body. When I'm tired, when my muscles are torn from a long day's work, when I'm exhausted, when my immunological system is compromised, when viruses attack me, <laughs> if I take care to read the Word of God and understand and rest in Him, removing all the other things, those are just physical stress, all the psychological burden of living such a lie, to think that I could somehow heal myself. That's the problem with this whole COVID-19 thing. And for those of you who may be listening decades after, who knows? It may be around. This podcast may be around for generations. I don't know when Jesus is coming again. But in a contemporary sort of context, that's the problem with COVID-19. It's not up to us to heal it. It's God. All those who are of humanism and human persuasion who lead with that, discounting and disbelieving in God, are saying, wait a minute, we can't do anything until we get an answer. I've got bad news for not only them, but anybody else that would have bitten into that fruit, the knowledge of good and evil. You're not going to come up with an answer unless God would want to give you one. And he may in his benevolence, but he may not. And if he doesn't in the way that you want him to, in the end, it's up to him if he wants us to live or die. He wants us all to live eternally, but in a material regard. The good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away. To have confidence to be able to say that requires more than just a knowledge of the word, however, even as I say that to you now, the devil is hard at work inside of me, at least in the external, the outward sort of parts of me, the mind. Oh, do you know what you just got through saying? He might take your life tomorrow. Well, if I have any courage, let it be faith, and let the faith be established in not only the Word of God, but the profession of the manifestation of the living Word of God that proceeds forth from within me, because up to this point, He has been my sole source of salvation. Yes, I apply common sense. There's nothing wrong with knowledge. God has given us knowledge for the sake of ignorance <laughs> or weakness or humanism, and humanism translate human liability, limitation in our ability to conceive, to understand things such as the eternal. But he has put in us the Holy Spirit. He alone can lead us unto life. But we have to give all those things up. We have to quit worrying so much about those things. Again, common sense, nothing wrong with that. Don't tempt God. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Certainly don't kill yourselves. Nothing wrong with that. Don't curse yourselves. Nothing wrong with that. 
But the curse is when we think we're smarter than God. When we could come up with an answer and we don't need him. That's when we're so close to the end of not only ourselves, but the damnation of our eternal soul that is scary. We should be afraid. We should be humbled. We should feel that awful, horrible, terrible feeling that we're just about to make the biggest mistake in our life. Yes, it's a miscalculation, but more than that, it has life attached to it. That's the curse. That somehow we think, we believe, not God. You can pretend to be all those things that you know that you should be. You can reject it and be whatever you want to be. But if it isn't in alignment with the Word of God, if it isn't in alignment with the Holy Spirit, if it doesn't line up with life itself, with the living Word, as Jesus shared that, the only way to eternal life, the only truth to eternal life, then you're going to die, but not once. It is appointed unto all of us to die in a material sense once. But those who place their faith, their courage in the word of God, and more so allow the Holy Spirit to bring forth the image of Christ are not only those that know the answer but have assurance of eternal life. Trust in the Lord. It's the only way. Acknowledge him. It's the only way. Humble yourself before him. It's the only way. Because the day will come when the reality that is God in as much fullness as any human could possibly comprehend is going to be presented. What you do with it, not then so much even as now, speaks to the ultimate in terms of adaptability. Will you live forever? The human dimension won't, but thankfully God is concerned enough, cares enough about our even our human dimension of soul to give us a way that we do not have to face that. We do not have to die. We can find new life in Jesus Christ. We can be born again, but it does require us to accept Jesus not only as the only way and the only truth, his gospel to eternal life, but that he is our Savior. He alone knows all wisdom. He alone not only shows outwardly what it is to be the best a human could be, but because it's established in the living word, Holy Spirit within him, he has the power not only to bring forth the dead in material regard, to restore eyesight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, 
but he has the power to resurrect us, to lift us up unto, into eternal life. He brings us into oneness with God. And there's nothing then, even ourselves, the devil can't trick us any longer. He can't dissuade us, discourage us, feed us so much in the way of lies as to steal us from God. Why? Because we know where our salvation proceeds forth, from, out of. Yes, it is Christ, but it's the Holy Spirit within us. That's the power to overcome. That is the spirit of life that inhabits and brings to life all that is material. You must be one with the Holy Spirit. We called it the creative dynamic for the sake of translation or at least material sort of definition at the beginning of the podcast. But it's, it's the Holy Spirit. He is life. We need to be one in spirit out of the flesh, and therein lies wisdom. That guarantees there is no weapon formed against us that shall prosper or or will overcome us or overtake us. That is our rock. That is our foundation. That is why we won't be confused. That is why within the body of Christ, there will not be division. If there is division in something that otherwise has been called either an institution of God or goes around presenting itself as the face of Jesus or God in this world, watch out, there's problems there. If you don't know and recognize by way of the testimony of the Holy Spirit If you don't know and recognize that he dwells there, don't go there. (laughs) I don't care how beautiful it appears to be, how wonderful even the messages are, no no matter what it is that otherwise the promises would be, uh, whether they are with some sort of salting uh, of the eternal dimension just for the sake of enough legitimacy to at least... uh, keep your interest and your attention, uh, override the innate, implicit, intuitive sort of conviction. The Holy Ghost is trying to tell you, this is not where you need to be. Don't hang out there. (laughs) Find you a place where you know where that witness is, where you can find Jesus. If he's in the middle, two or more are gathered together in my name, I shall be in the midst of them. We have all power. Whatever they bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's all right there. Jesus is right there. But if you do find that, it may not look exactly, at least superficially so, It's not going to be in that way of vanity, pride, ego, 
glorification of the creature. It'll be glorification of God. And his glory will ensue therein out of that, out of the fire. (laughs) The fire consumes the flesh, but the fire never goes out. So what does any of this have to do with Christian counseling? Because there's going to come many incidences over the course of your life where you need this word. You're going to come to a place where nobody has an answer. You're going to feel like no one understands you. You're going to look around you and you're not going to see the word of God. Maybe it's going to be presented visually so that in your natural you can see it. But you're not going to see it as with the evidence of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to register it. You're going to feel all alone. You're going to feel abandoned. Maybe of God, hopefully not. But you're not going to find a friend. And you're going to need to know someone knows, not only the Word of God, but has that Word of God alive within them and recognizes it's not something they did to bring it about. It's something God has done. Yes, there's a lot of aligning of the mind, realignment. We have to synchronize, <laughs> get the word in our head constantly with the, the, the help, assistance of the Holy Spirit. He is the paraclete. To align up with the living word, testimony of that within us. It takes some work. It's called sanctification. (laughs) We have to stay on top of it. Can't let days go by where you don't reconcile yourself with the word to the word, in the word, by the word, by the Holy Spirit. But when that happens, that you would find yourself in that desolate, desolate land where you need ministering of bread and water, even as Elijah, there's a place you can come to. It's not the only place. But whatever you do, make sure that you know God's there, or at least the Holy Spirit. They may not, I say at least, because they may not advertise it as a church. After all, they're not into tricking you. Actually, they may be quite the opposite. They don't want to put on any airs. They want you to know, first and foremost, it's out of a true spirit. It's not out of some sort of image. That's why we do the podcasts. That's why I try to be as real and honest with you on the podcasts as I am in the counseling sessions, the psychological counseling that I provide. That's why I testify to the use of the scripture. That's why I seek more than just your business. I seek your soul. I'm sorry. Not to manipulate or control you, but for the sake of the word of God. I want you saved. I want to give you over to God. I don't want to control you, but I do want to give you over to God. But seeking your soul allows me to be a conduit. It allows me to be Elihu for Job. 
I can bring you into the presence of the Lord. If that I can do that out of the legitimacy of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the gospel of Jesus Christ alive within me, what a privilege if I can establish the resurrection power of God alive in you. What a testimony, not only unto yourself, certainly me, to see you resurrected, but what you will do for the sake of truth in the world. But you have to want to face it. You have to want help. You have to ask for help. You have to seek help. And in that, again, as that help is established in the word, it is also brought to life in living word, Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, the living Savior. Do you have to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior before you come see me? No. Well, I have an altar call in the counseling session? Probably not, at least not as you're familiar with it. Will our conversation lead us to points such as that? Possibly. Will the conviction of the Holy Spirit while we're talking move upon you to the point of recognizing your need for Jesus? Hopefully. <laughs> but you're not going to get better until you accept him as your Lord and Savior. You can do it now. You don't have to wait to come see me. You can do it now. You just have to say, Jesus, I love you, and I give my life to you. I'm not going to fight with you. At least I don't want to. You will. It's a struggle. But I'm going to turn my life over to you, and I'm going to read your word, not just so I can put it on and pretend I'm something I'm not, but so that that, as it would then be rightly aligned with the living word, the Holy Spirit in me, can manifest, not me, as a pride, source of pride or vanity. Not even the best that a human could be because there's only been one, and that's you, Jesus. But then I might find life and might share it with others. And if there's confusion in this world, Lord, I pray that you would allow me to be one of those that is no longer confused. I know the answer. I possess it. I am now going to allow him to lead me, to guide me, to direct me. And I am going to assemble myself with the body. I'm going to go to places where there's darkness. But I'm not going to go there to expecting fellowship as much as I'm going to go there to present the word and then allow you to establish fellowship. I will receive all who come unto you as a brother and sister in Christ. But I have to come to you first. I love you, Jesus. Now, you might not have said any of that in that way, but I think your heart knows that what I just got through saying is what you need. You just have to accept him as Lord and Savior. Then, should you want to come see me, it'll go easier. You'll be open and prepared. Or, if not me, someone, and I do believe that too, uh, I am presenting again the word for the sake of salvation. That's the intention of the podcast. If you come see me, I want to help, and I'll be glad to. Let the Holy Spirit tell you who to go see. 
That's what I've been trying to say. What church to join with. What pastor to allow to lead you. All of that God will, will provide. He has that already aligned, established. He's, he's got all that. He's staged all that, the logistics of all that. You just have to walk in it. But should it be me, I would consider it a great privilege. And if not, come see me uh, in some sort of personal way. I can do telehealth. I can do psychological counseling over the Internet. There's some requirements, um, ethically so, uh, to make sure it's all legal, uh, depending on what state you're in, if I'm licensed in that state, et cetera, et cetera, the current state of uh, that industry or the industry. Um, You can reach me via the email I post and reach out to me. But if you don't want to see me either in person, can't, not the right thing for you, uh, you're called someplace else, great, go, 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 go. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But hopefully you'll find time or the Holy Spirit will lead you back to the next installment of What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Dr. Michael David Clay. Thank you for joining us today and God bless.